I have to admit, when you emailed me the other day and wanted to know more about me and where this particular fetish of mine came from and what it has been like to explore it with you, my first instinct was to politely decline. While I never planned to remain totally mysterious to you, I do have a professional reputation to maintain, as well as a private life, and I knew that if anyone found out that I was having an affair, it could damage those things. Even more than that, I worried that this fetish we indulge in, and would strike most people as bizarre, if not outlandish, if it was ever discovered, and this has provided me even more of an incentive for me to obscure my identity. And when you asked, finally, if I would not only write, but record everything you wanted to know, that clinched it. The last thing I should do in such a delicate situation is to actually go on record with my most private thoughts and fantasies, and all of the things that we have done together. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that you actually deserve a full disclosure from me, and in any form you want. Given the patience and trust you have shown me, even as I have periodically played the tease and the dominatrix, it is the least I can do to thank you. On top of that, I don't want to lose this interesting relationship we have, and so even if it poses a slight risk to my everyday life, I want you to get as much satisfaction from it as possible. And I know full well that in this case, that means hearing me confess everything to you so that you have something exciting to listen to as you are masturbating. And I am totally content with that. In fact, I'm actually looking forward to telling you everything and luxuriating in those details, which I know turn you on as much as me. All I ask in return is that you please, please keep this recording private at all costs. I want you to know everything, but it would destroy me if anyone else ever did. So we must keep this between just you and I. With that said, where should I begin? My real name, if you want to know, is Julia Smith. I am 43 years old, and I work, it won't surprise you to hear, as a medical researcher at that big lab complex downtown. I am married to a man I was never much attracted to, and certainly don't love much anymore, but we have a son and a daughter, whom I obviously do. I have a perfectly normal and actually quite enviable middle-class life, with ample income, a large house in the suburbs, nice friends, and a good amount of free time. It's everything that an intelligent, well-educated woman like me could ask for, with only one drawback. It doesn't provide me with many outlets for my erotic interests, and no permissible opportunities to explore my sexual fetish. What's my fetish? You already know. But I did say I was going to make a full confession, so here it goes. I have a fetish that is technically called acuculophilia. What does that mean? Well, cuculus means hooded in Latin. The A before it makes it negative, or unhooded 
and the philia at the end means love of. That's the suffix that designates a fetish psychologically. So the term translates as love of the unhooded. But what does that actually mean? I guess I have to speak plainly now and just come out and say it. It means that I have a sexual fetish for circumcised men, or more specifically, a fascination with the circumcised penis. That's right, I have a fetish, an obsession, an admiration, a fixation, a love for and a need to worship the circumcised cock, yours in particular, but we'll get to that shortly. I didn't always have this curious obsession. When I was in my teens, I didn't even really understand what circumcision was, beyond a vague sense of it as something occasionally done to boys as a religious ritual or medical procedure. Even after I became sexually active in college, it wasn't something I thought about much, since I lived in a community of aging hippies, few of whom circumcised their male children. Most of the boys I dated were uncircumcised, so far as I noticed in my rather disinterested state, and so the issue never entered my mind then either. When I moved to New York for medical school, I became slightly more conscious of the issue, since it was discussed in my anatomy and physiology classes, and I could tell from random remarks by female friends that more men were circumcised on the East Coast. But I still never thought much about it. Eventually, I found myself married to an uncircumcised man, and having a son whom we decided not to circumcise, both of which were just random facts to me. In recent years, I followed the rather conscientious debate in the media over whether circumcision had any health benefits, and whether it reduced the sexual sensitivity of the penis, without much personal interest. I figured it was a topic for groups with specific religious or medical stakes in it, or at least for men in general as opposed to women, as opposed to me. What changed all that was, to put it succinctly, turning 40. In reconsidering my sex life in middle age, I found myself looking with fresh eyes at the male body, mostly my husband's obviously, and not liking what I saw. In looking closely at the penis for the first time, I realized that I actually had a rather strong dislike of its appearance in its natural state. Something about that wrinkly foreskin and the way it concealed and contained made the penis look undeveloped, even animal-like. Why did this crucial male body part, the center and essence of mascu masculinity, naturally look so timid and incomplete? like a boy wearing his father's sweater. Around the same time, something else happened. I found myself promoted in the pharmaceutical company I worked for and posted to a team whose rather unexpected job was to design a new line of condoms specifically for the 60% of American men who were circumcised, apparently admitting that their anatomy 
might be at least slightly different. The plan was to create a condom that was as pleasurable as possible for them to use. Being the medical specialist on the team, my job was to consider the precise anatomical issues involved. At first, it was just business, as they say. But one day, something happened, which for some reason profoundly changed my perspective on sex and men. It was the day a report from the research department arrived on my desk, which was called a detailed study of the anatomy of the circumcised penis. I'd always derived a strange satisfaction from such medical discussions with their delightfully precise clinical terms, but I never imagined that a purely scientific report could be more erotic to me than any novel or movie and most personal experiences. The report began with some basic things I was already familiar with, but the details it went on to reveal about the bodies and more importantly, the needs and desires of some men were utterly fascinating to me. I can summarize the basics quickly enough. Normally, the most sensitive part of the penis and hence the most sensitive part of the male body was the little strip of skin that attaches the foreskin to the underside of the shaft just beneath the head or glands, that nerve-packed little triangle called the frenulum. I knew well from my own experience that stimulation of this with a well-aimed finger or tongue was the height of joy for an uncircumcised man. When a man was circumcised, however, apparently the frenulum was often totally removed, along with the foreskin, which sacrificed its exquisite sensitivity and left a ring-like scar around the middle of the shaft. In such cases, the arguments of the critics of circumcision that it reduced the sexual sensation of the penis seemed true enough, although I have to say that looking at all the photos of circumcised cocks in the report convinced me that it was nevertheless an aesthetic improvement. But there was more to the issue, and this is what fascinated me. If a circumcision was done carefully with the proper equipment, one instrument called the GOMCO device was particularly effective, the, the ring-like scar was edged upwards slightly on the bottom of the underside of the penis into an inverted V-shape that matched the notch in the bottom of the glands. This preserved much of the frenulum and condensed its sensitivity into a thin, raised ridge of skin that ran down the underside from the head to the circumcision scar. In these fortunate cases, once the circumcision had healed and the penis had fully matured, its owner enjoyed what was called an intact frenulum, which was basically as sensitive as the original. The really fascinating thing, however, was that there was some research indicating that in some cases, the intact frenulum 
of a circumcised penis could become even more sensitive than the tissue would have been naturally. By some strange alchemy of the nervous system, some circumcised men developed an ultra-sensitive little nexus of nerves at the bottom of the frenulum, an inch or two down the underside, just where it joined that uptick of the circumcision scar. Nobody quite knew why. It probably had something to do with the fact that some special nerves were exposed by removing the foreskin, which became more dense as the circumcision scar healed, and that they could no longer retreat from stimuli because the skin of the penis was now tight. I didn't know and didn't really care what fascinated me. There were apparently some men out there who not only had these gorgeous, smooth, bold-looking cocks that I was seeing in this report, but some had on them a tiny spot that was almost more sensitive than they could bear. And for some reason, the idea that this had been done to them involuntarily, leading them to deal with unnaturally intense sensations and desires later in life, was particularly arousing to me. I still remember a passage about this in the report, which has haunted my imagination ever since. Some tests, the passage said, have indicated that some circumcised men possess a degree of sexual sensitivity in their intact frenulum, particularly at the intersection with the circumcision scar, that precise stimulation there results almost immediately in an orgasm of unusual intensity. There is anecdotal evidence, furthermore, that such peak experiences create something of a psychological obsession for receiving manual and oral sex, focusing specifically on this spot. But given the ignorance of most women about such nuances of male anatomy, it is likely they have difficulty obtaining it. I can't fully explain the complex web of arousal and fantasy all this wrapped me up inside. I only know I became fixated on the image of the circumcised cock, of that particular type, one with that dark scar ring circling the shaft, but then curving upward on the underside to blend into the thin ridge of the frenulum, creating a super sensitive little node there that could drive its owner mad with pleasure. The idea that I was one of the few women who apparently understood this modification was intoxicating. It excited me to no end that there were apparently some men out there who dreamed of meeting a woman like me. I often masturbated in my office at work as I thought about this and read and reread the report, or in my car before coming home, or even at home when no one was around, fantasizing about meeting a man like this, whose cock was like this, and of skillfully flicking my fingertips or tongue tip over his ultra-sensitive frenulum and circumcision scar, 
driving him into planes of ecstasy that were beyond the usual limits of the male body and brain. This remained a purely abstract fantasy. However, until the day, I happened to glance through the appendix to the report, which contained some personal remarks from surveys that had been conducted on the internet as part of its research. One of these, in particular, jumped out at me for its urgent but ironic desperation. I was delighted to see that survey question about the intact frenulum, it said. I am lucky enough to have been circumcised like this, and I cannot describe how mind-blowingly pleasurable it is to have it licked. Sadly, women never seem to know about it, and it is just too weird and personal to try and explain. But it's almost torture to go without, so I can only hope this research popularizes the knowledge of it, and in the meantime, if there are any female researchers in your company who are interested in it, please get in touch. The invitation was a joke, of course, though the sentiment behind it was authentic enough. The surveys had been conducted anonymously online, so there was no way of ever finding out who had ever submitted this one, even if I summoned the courage to reply to it. Whoever wrote it, also an abstraction until the moment I realized that each anonymous survey was encoded with a file number and that the file number contained an internet IP address. After that, it was simple enough to get my hands on some hacking software, which not only allowed me to track the IP number to an email address, but also to a physical address. In other words, it allowed me to figure out that you had written those comments, that you were a perfect example of the type of man whose anatomy I had become infatuated with, and virtually everything else about your identity as well. I don't like to think of what I did next as stalking, but it was. Naturally, you lived in town since the company started by distributing its survey locally. Finding your house was easy enough, and I was delighted to discover that you weren't married or in some other complicated living situation. I was still more excited once I got a look at you up close as you came and went. You were quite an impressive specimen of a man, and I could easily make out your athletic physique beneath street clothes. To say you were attractive was an understatement. That George Clooney-esque brow and roguish goatee were handsome by any definition. You were only 34, too, and so a few years younger than me. And those boyish good looks aroused something of the dominatrix in me. I also liked that you were a professor at the university. Only a fellow academic, I realized, was likely to understand this complex anatomical interest of yours. You never knew it, but I actually sat in on one of your lectures once, pretending to be a mature student. I didn't miss all of those young co-eds fawning over you, which told me you really were as fetching as I thought. None of them, however, got to follow you home.
as I did, and see you take to the pool in your backyard. The day I got to watch that, through binoculars from my car, was a treat, seeing your muscular swimmer's physique, your bulging chest and shoulders and chiseled abs, clad only in a speedo. I almost thought I could make out the shape of your circumcised cock in front of it. One time I even sat across from you on the subway, watching you as you read the paper. You had no idea that I was scoping your crotch the whole time, imagining the beautifully circumcised cock I knew was beneath your jeans, and that little secret I knew about its tender underside. To say I was interested in you didn't even come close. I was fixated. Not only were you the type of man my fetish focuses on, you were a total hunk. Within weeks, I was plotting some possible approaches to you, inventing whole scenarios, imagining a relationship. I even felt a twang of betrayal the one time I watched you on a date with some gorgeous young thing, and I saw you kissing and playing in the back seat of your car. I secretly reveled, though, in how you ended the night early, for it obviously meant you were looking for something but hadn't found it. I like to imagine she'd gotten a chance to handle that interesting cock of yours, but was too ignorant or inexperienced to do to it to your full satisfaction. I knew I could. When I finally settled on an approach, you unknowingly brought bought into it without any reservation. When I called you up and explained that I was from your medical insurance company and that we needed to update your basic information and perform a new physical exam because of new regulations, you had no reason not to believe it. You balked, of course, when it came to making an appointment. Who doesn't protect their time against such bureaucracy? But that was all part of the plan. You readily accepted when I offered to send a doctor, namely myself, to your home to fill out the forms and perform the exam for you. Two days later, there I was, standing on your doorstep, beautifully made up with my hair styled nicely, in a form-fitting skirt and blouse with new glasses. I had achieved a rather Sarah Palin-like look, although I had a plain white lab coat with no identifications, of course, over top and my medical bag in hand. You hadn't forgotten about the appointment, but you were dressed nevertheless in athletic clothes, probably about to go for a run or something in your loose shorts and form-fitting t-shirt. You looked as delicious as ever. I was surprised at how calm and collected I felt in my ruse as you invited me in. Since it was in my head, I introduced myself simply as Sarah. You did a double take at all my polish, I recall, but apparently I hadn't made myself so alluring as to make you suspicious. Your look merely acknowledged that I was a pleasant-looking woman, which was my goal. When you asked where was the best place to conduct our business, I suggested the bedroom because it would give us enough space. Totally unconcerned, you led the way. Sitting on a chair in your spacious bedroom, I began to take your personal information for my file while you sat on the bed. Using equipment from my bag, I carefully took your physical data and vital statistics, 
mostly for my ruse, but also to increase my own anticipation. They were, after all, quite striking figures. Your height, an impressive six foot three. Weight, 225 pounds of mostly muscle. Hair, brown. Eyes, green. You amiably complied when I asked you to lie down on the bed so that I could get a better blood pressure reading. You readily agreed to take off your shirt so that I could check your respiration more easily with my stethoscope. I couldn't resist running my hands appreciatively over your chest afterwards, almost cupping one of your pectorals, and you jumped slightly. But I calmed your surprise by complimenting your impressive upper body development. After a few minutes of similar procedures, I decided it was time to cut to the chase. Oh, I see that I missed one bit of personal information earlier on the form here, I said, holding my clipboard. It's sort of an unusual question, so forgive me, but we do need to know everything about you. Go ahead, ask me anything, you said, where you lay, hands folded behind your head. All right, I asked flatly. Are you circumcised? Your hesitation, as you must know, spoke volumes about your own fascination with the subject. Your eyes widened, and you drew a breath of surprise. How could you not be surprised at a woman asking you about that there in your own bedroom? Um, yes, I am, you said finally. I marked it in my file. Then I put it down the clipboard, pursuing the issue conversationally. Why did you hesitate, I asked. Are you not sure? No, I was just surprised by the question. You said, I am circumcised. <laughs> well, that does sound like you are sure, I smiled. Was it done in childhood? Yes, you said nervously, amazed that I was staying on the subject. Did you ever resent that it was done to you before you had any say in it? I inquired casually. No, you replied firmly. So would you say that you like being circumcised? This truly personal question took you further back, even as my kindly demeanor softened it. You opened your mouth, but couldn't answer. I could see the amazement in your eyes. Pardon my curiosity, I continued with a wry grin. I'm only asking these things because I have a personal interest in the issue myself. I didn't miss the slight pupil dilation as you listened the slight increase in your breathing. It is nice knowing all the physiological subtleties of male arousal. I didn't have to glance down at the front of your shorts to know that something would be happening there, too, in a few seconds. You're not one of these anti-circumcision activists, are you? You managed to ask, citing a likely concern of yours at the moment. Not at all, I replied. On the contrary. I'm fascinated with how circumcision might actually enhance the male sexual experience. You know, some research has suggested it can actually increase the sensitivity of the penis. My specific mentioning of the issue and the body part in question had its desired effect. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something twitch beneath the fabric of your shorts. Your eyes, however, were now wide with amazement as I spoke. It looks like you might know something about this, I said, glancing down at the rapidly growing bulge. Tell me, have you ever heard of something called 
an intact frenulum. Good God, you know about that? You breathed in something like pure shock. I half grinned mischievously. You're not from my insurance company, are you? You asked. You obviously didn't remember that survey you filled out however many months or years ago, but you knew my presence there was not accidental. I shook my head, enjoying your befuddlement. Who are you? You asked. Like I said, I replied, you can call me Sarah. But how... how did you know about my... I mean, the... You began, then found you could barely speak the words I myself had just used. Does it really matter, I said coyly? Maybe you shouldn't ask. What matters is that I do know about it. I know exactly what you want, what you need, what you aren't getting, what you dream about. What matters is that I have the same fascination as you, that I want to give you what you want. I want to do what you want, touch you where you want. I can't believe this is happening, you repeated. Looking down, we both saw the large, tented bulge in the front of your shorts. It had been a while since I had seen a fully aroused man, even just through his clothes, and so the sight of it seemed enormous. But even in my objective mind, I knew it was sizable enough. Seconds passed as you tried to calm yourself, but your body betrayed you. While well, I reveled in the effect I was having, eventually it was time for the next step. Take it out, I whispered. I want to see it. Examine it. You'd better do it, he replied softly. I'm so turned on right now I might come if I brush against it when I reach down. I smiled, as much at the admission as the consent. Leaning over, I took the waistband of your shorts in my hands, carefully lifted it clear of the jutting peak, and lowered them to your knees. The quivering, hard, fully erect penis that was revealed to me in that moment was even more beautiful than I'd imagined. Freed from the weight of your shorts, it sprang up another five degrees to point straight at the ceiling. Taking my time, I let my eyes range over it leisurely, from base to head. It was easily eight inches long, the biggest cock I had ever seen in person. Above the ample balls hanging below, a small bush of dark hair curled at the base of it. The shaft was bridal gown white, right up to the distinct circumcision scar that ringed the shaft halfway up. From there to the head, the shaft was pink, bespeaking its greater sensitivity. The glands at the top was a rounded mushroom shape with a perfectly smooth texture and a raised coronal ridge around the rim with a rougher grain, almost as if what I wanted to see next, as if it knew what I wanted to focus on, twitching as it moved. It passed the horizontal angle, and under its own weight began to fall upwards towards your body, exposing its vulnerable underside to me. I leaned in closer, fascinated, 
running from the notch of your glands where its two lobes came together, and down the center of the underside was the thin skin thread of your intact frenulum. Your penis was so hard and the skin of it so tight from your circumcision that it seemed almost stretched with tension as it ran downwards, but where it blended into the swooping delta of your circumcision scar swooping left and right, there was a tiny tab of looser skin, pink and tender. There it was, that super sensitive little spot at the juncture of the frenulum of the circumcision scar where so many nerves had been exposed and condensed and regenerated. Leaning in to examine it even more closely, my eyes were just inches away. You realized, of course, what I was looking at. You really do know, don't you? You breathed. I can't believe this. You actually know about how. Down, a few inches down. Right where. I looked up at you and smiled, amused that you were so aroused that you could barely talk. Looking down at your cock again, seeing it hard and glowing pink, twitching with every beat of your heart, I realized you were on the edge of a climax already. Oh yes, I whispered. I know all about how incredibly sensitive you are right here at the bottom of your frenulum, right where it meets your circumcision scar. I pointed to it, my fingertip barely half an inch away, but made no contact. You tensed as though I might. You're liable to come the moment I touch you there, aren't you? I asked teasingly. Yes, you said through clenched teeth. Have you ever had a woman touch you there? Deliberately, I asked. Intentionally? You shook your head. What if I use my tongue rather than my finger, I teased. Oh, God, you moaned. Please. I pondered for a moment whether to inflict the ultimate pleasure on you or tease you with my finger. I smiled, realizing you had earned at least a taste of that highest sensation, which would serve to bring you back for more in the future. Extending my tongue, I began to vibrate just the very tip of it back and forth in a special technique I had imagined somewhere along the way in my planning. I actually heard you hold your breath as you felt mine and saw the close proximity of my tongue to the underside of your cock. Softly and with perfect precision, I touched the vibrating tip of my tongue to the ultra-sensitive juncture of your frenulum and circumcision scar, where I knew all those delicate nerves were gathered grazing it, just dusting the precious little spot with my tongue tip for a few seconds. I heard you gasp with pleasure and saw your eyes roll back in your head. The groan you uttered was like nothing I have ever heard from a man before or since. A kind of sublime sigh of relief, 
Oh God, you breathed. Oh God, yes. After a second, I began to flick your frenulum back and forth quickly with my tongue tip, like I was strumming a banjo, spreading wetness over the middle of your cock. The sensation must have been mind-blowingly intense, for out of the corner of my eye, I saw you press your head back into the pillow, and your eyes now closed. Pleased with your reaction, I began to lave the whole underside of your cock, washing warmth and wetness up and down the full length, letting the broadest part of my tongue coat the thick shaft from your circumcision scar up to the round head. After running my tongue around the rim of the head for a few seconds, I returned to your frenulum, knowing you were going to come almost immediately to match intense sensation to your orgasm or to trigger it. I focused my tongue tip again on those overcharged nerves at your circumcision scar, where it merged with your massively sensitive frenulum, your secret spot, the epicenter of your desire, tickling it expertly with my tongue, flicking it, kissing it, dabbing and tapping it. My ministrations were more than enough to set off your orgasm. You almost yelled in release and relief. Your hips bucked and your cock reared up. Several thick spurts of semen flew past my cheek and splattered up along your stomach and chest. I kept licking, adding a stroking hand to the contact in order to wring the orgasm fully out of you. When your contortions and gruntings finally stopped, you looked up at me with stunned, bloodshot eyes. It must have been a thunderous orgasm, for you almost seemed in a daze even after its glow had faded. Your chest finally calming, your beautiful cock finally falling to rest against your stomach. You looked up at me in some remarkable mixture of gratitude and awe. Who the hell are you, you asked, still amazed. Ask me some time later. I might tell you. That sounds like you might want to do this again, you said with a grin. I hope to God that's true. I smiled standing up and gathering my things. Still stunned and, of course, still naked, you watched me heading for the door. Please say it is, you said pleadingly. Maybe, I said, flashing a grin as I disappeared down the stairs. I'll be in touch, my vo voice floated behind me. The rest of what we have done, like this first encounter, you know from your own experience. I don't think I need to detail it now, as I have the matters that led up to our first meeting and the amazing time we had then. I'll leave stories of our other encounters for a later recording. For the moment, I want to leave you with a thought, a special compliment that I want you to always remember. I love that gorgeous, amazing cock of yours, and I feel a fascination for it that I could never before imagine feeling for what it is for some women. Just a part of the male body. I love circumcised cocks. I love your circumcised cock. And I love that yours has been circumcised so beautifully. I hate that some people don't understand how circumcision 
has actually improved it and opened up new peaks of sensation and experience for you. That's their problem and their ignorance. For my part, I just want to keep seeing it, keep playing with it, and keep teasing that super sensitive underside until you feel like you are dying of pleasure for as long as you'll let me do that. There's my full confession. I hope you enjoyed it.